Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Gabe Rosenberg. Today is Tuesday, January 9th. Coming up, Kansas City roadways got deadlier last year. The city recorded a 13% jump in traffic fatalities, the second worst year in decades. It's destroying our communities. We see young lives snuffed out. We have to have a stop. Why Kansas City streets are so dangerous, especially for pedestrians. Plus, an old-fashioned necessity is making a comeback. Canning is becoming a popular hobby. Seeing when you open up your cabinets all these beautiful jars of preserved foods, uh, that in itself, I think, is such a joy. How canning went from the home to the factory and back again. But first, we've got some headlines. Kansas Democratic Governor Laura Kelly unveiled a new tax proposal yesterday, the first day of the 2024 legislative session. Her plan includes eliminating the food sales tax by April and increasing the residential exemption on state property taxes. While she has support from a few Republican lawmakers, GOP leaders are expected to instead pursue a single-rate tax plan. Kelly opposes that idea, referencing budget shortfalls after tax cuts during the administration of former Governor Sam Brownback. I refuse to take us back to the days of four-day school weeks, crumbling roads and bridges, and crippling debt. Kelly's plan would also increase the standard deduction on state income taxes and eliminate income taxes on Social Security. Jackson County legislators yesterday voted to put a sales tax measure on the April ballot that would help fund the proposed new Royal Stadium and upkeep for Arrowhead. KCY's Salisa Colacle has more. The legislature voted 8-1 to one to ask voters this spring whether to renew the 3 8 cent sales tax for 40 years. The money will fund renovations at the Chiefs Stadium and the Royals' new ballpark, the location of which is to be determined. County legislator Manny Abarca IV said the team should choose a location before April. That would be ideal. I think for the ballot, they, the people need to know where they're going to have a team. County Executive Frank White has 10 days to issue a veto. He has not confirmed whether or not he will. The legislature needs six votes to override a veto. Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft says he was the target of a swatting hoax that led to police being called to his Jefferson City home on Sunday evening. Swatting is when someone reports a fake emergency to draw local police or SWAT teams to a specific location. Ashcroft said that he and his family are safe, and he thanked Jefferson City law enforcement for how they handled the situation. Senate President Pro Tem Caleb Rowden said he intends to file legislation that would increase the penalties for swatting in Missouri. We'll be back with more Kansas City Today after this. Back in 1908, Kansas City biscuit businessman Jacob Luce was locked into a bitter rivalry with Nabisco when he had this idea for a chocolate sandwich cookie, unlike anything on the market. The Hydrox had this, like, really elaborate laurel wreath and this really elaborate font. It was like a very baroque sort of cookie. How Kansas City created the original Oreo. That's on the podcast, A People's History of Kansas City. 
nationwide, roadways got a little bit safer last year, but not in Kansas City, where traffic fatalities spiked by 13%. KCUR's Frank Morris reports that vehicle designs and bad habits from the pandemic are driving up the death toll. Nolan Davidson, a nine-year-old kid, was with his dad driving to a basketball game in Shawnee, Kansas, when a guy in a speeding pickup truck smashed into the side of their car where Nolan was sitting. A few days later, Aaron Davidson was in church, eulogizing his son. He was my definition of love. A part of me is missing. A part of our family is missing. We will cherish our memories of Nolan forever. This kind of sudden death and grief is more common than it was just a few years back. People being killed on our roadways, it's friends, it's families, it's neighbors, it's coworkers. It happens every day. About 100 people are being killed every day uh, somewhere in the United States. Russ Martin with the Governor's Highway Safety Association says it's like a plane crash every single day of the year. Rex killed almost 42,800 Americans in 2022. Traffic fatalities had been generally trending down for decades until the pandemic when they shot up to a 16-year high. Kansas City Police Sergeant Jonathan Rivers says risky behavior took hold. The main causes that we're seeing is speed, excessive speeds, impairment, and no seatbelts. Speeders tend to be going faster than before. Drinkers are drunker. There's more marijuana and drug use. Of course, people are looking at their phones. But while distracted, lawless driving is up, law enforcement is down. In Kansas City, the police department's traffic enforcement division has shrunk to less than half the size. It was just four years ago. People feel that they can drive um, any way they want to since they're, they don't see officers on the highway as much as they used to. That's a 13 percent jump from 2022 and more than double the number killed in 2014. So Kansas City is going the wrong direction, but across the country... The news is better. There is some good news about traffic fatalities, though. At a national level, they're slightly down. Mark Chung with the National Safety Council says overall traffic fatality rates have been easing, dropping around 3 percent toward possibly around 40,000 deaths in 2023. Americans are driving more now, too, so it's a big improvement, but still a lot worse than it was before the pandemic. Chung says there's a huge gap. The delta between that and pre-pandemic 2019 levels is around... 6,000 or maybe even 7,000 lives. So your chances of dying in a car are off slightly from the worst days of the pandemic. But walking across the street like Proust Avenue here in Kansas City is as dangerous as it's been in 40 years. In the past couple of years, we've been in the midst of a pedestrian safety crisis. Pedestrians being struck and killed on our roadways. Russ Martin, the Governor's Highway Safety Association, says pedestrian fatalities spiked up almost 80 percent in a decade, leading to more than 7,500 deaths last year. Mark Chung says the evolution of car design is partly to blame. Cars are safer for occupants. They have not been for non-occupants. And in fact, over the last 20 years, have been more dangerous for non-occupants. Much more dangerous. Those newer, tall, imposing, blunt-faced pickups and SUVs are particularly deadly. So the factors driving up traffic fatalities are well known. Pushing them down again is a complex problem. But it can't happen fast enough 
people like Sergeant Rivers. It's destroying our communities. We see young lives snuffed out. We have to have a stop. Traffic experts insist this is possible by improving road and vehicle designs, emergency response, policing, by somehow convincing 230 million American drivers to be careful. The National Safety Council has staked out a goal of running traffic fatalities all the way down to zero by 2050. But just making U.S. roadways as safe as they were a few years ago is the first big step. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Frank Morris. The practice of canning food isn't a widespread necessity anymore. Most fresh fruits and vegetables are available at the grocery store year-round. But over the last few years, home canning has gained popularity. Harvest Public Media's Lily Halloran has this report on the history of canning and how it's making a comeback. In the 1800s, canning was done in the home, primarily by women. They preserved surplus peas, peaches, corn, and other acidic foods in glass jars, storing them on shelves to eat throughout the year. But the 20th century brought federal food safety regulations, two world wars, and lots of cultural change. Canned goods moved from home kitchens to grocery store shelves as consumers gained confidence in commercial canning. A simple idea, but one of great promise. When industrial canning reached its peak in the 1950s, Industry leaders were selling it as progress. We refer to it, and rightly so, as the miracle of the can. Then the 1960s brought the feminist movement and changed the relationship between women and food preparation. Americans wanted convenience. But now, canning has come home again. People who have the extra time and money are showing off their pantries full of colorful glass jars on Instagram. The hashtag canning has over 960 million views on TikTok. It's become more of an edutainment for many people. That's food historian Suzanne Corbett. She says canning has shifted from a vital skill in the kitchen to an at-home hobby. There's so much fast food and pre-processed food and that have kind of pushed that convenience factor to a situation where our cooking has become performance art in your own home. People tend to return to canning when things get scary, according to Claire Schmidt, a folklorist at Missouri Valley College. She points to the 2008 recession and the COVID pandemic. For Schmidt's family, 2020 was a time when trips to the grocery store were rare, and they were looking for ways to stay positive. Okay, your school's closed and everything is weird, and the radio is talking about people dying. But hey, we've got canned peaches, and so things aren't all that bad. Americans left lockdown and returned to work. But canning remains popular. In the last year, Jenna Smith taught more food preservation classes than ever before. A nutrition and wellness educator for the Illinois Extension, she says her students arrive with different experience levels. A grandparent may have taught them, or social media, which isn't such a great source, according to Smith. I just cringe sometimes at some of the videos and things that I see that are just so, you know, not safe. But no matter what inspired her students, Smith says they're eager to have more control over the food they eat. You know, actually seeing when you open up your cabinets all these beautiful jars of preserved foods, uh, that in itself, I think, is such a joy to, to many people. Some have scaled up the old school approach to canning. Kansas City Canning Company owner Tim Tuey and his workers fill glass jars with unique flavors of fruit preserves, pickles, and various vegetables. 
Tui says he started the company with a plan to marry traditional practices with a modern approach. He took inspiration from childhood memories of canning tomatoes with neighbors. There's a connection to the past that people can actually identify with because it has that nostalgia to it. I, you know, I, I think fondly about spending time in the garden with my dad and picking the tomatoes and spending time with Joan and Frank across the street. Tui says he frequently fields questions from customers who want to try their hand at canning. What once seemed like a dying art is alive and well. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Lily Halloran. Lauren Hines Acosta contributed to this story, which comes from Canned Peaches, a new podcast from NPR member station KBIA. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, and it's based here at KCUR. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Gabe Rosenberg. This podcast is produced by Anna Schmidt and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Maddie Fox. You can find Frank's story on Kansas City Roads and Lauren's story on canning at kcur.org. Before you go, did you know that KCUR has an Instagram and it rocks? Follow us right now. You'll love it at kcur893. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.